Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Fast and When We're Uncut. My name is Ben Copperthorne, and we've got a great episode lined up for you, which is all about fresh thinking and fresh perspectives. Today, my guests are three graduates taking their first steps in the profession, and we're looking at their ideas, their ambitions, and their perspectives when it comes to tackling some of the knotty issues right across our industry, whether that's water or transport, energy or place. Uh, but before we get there and into the conversation, just some quick housekeeping. This is episode one of our third series of Barton Wilmot Uncut. The purpose of the conversation is to explore topical issues challenging the property industry right across the UK. And since our last series, Barton Wilmot has been acquired by Stantec. So we're now part of a global professional services company of designers, engineers, scientists, planners and project managers, all delivering change across the built and natural environment. And now because we're part of Stantec, we've got the opportunity to bring together both that technical and creative capability, uh, working to help our clients deal with these big issues, whether it's housing, infrastructure, uh, or the whole raft of uh, complex challenges right across the natural and built environment. So if you've listened before, uh, things might be a little bit different in this series. If you haven't, uh, no surprises, but sit back, enjoy. Hopefully you're in for a, a good episode to kick us off. Uh, let's meet the guests. So firstly, I'd like to introduce Ed Jones, Welcome, Ed. Would you like to say hello and then say a quick word about yourself? Thank you very much, Ben. Um, yes, I'm Edward Jones, a graduate planner based in the Cambridge office. Um, I've been involved in a number of logistics um, and office schemes um, all over the country. Um, I'm also having um, growing involvement in a number of residential schemes, which are currently um, in the early um, stages. Fantastic, Ed. Very good to have you on the pod. Very welcome. Next, um, can I introduce Sarah McKenzie? Sarah, would you like to say hello and introduce yourself? Oh, I'm Sarah McKenzie. I'm an urban designer based in Edinburgh, but I do a lot of residential work in the northern part of England and all over Scotland. There we go. Fantastic. And Angus, can I come to you? Angus Duncan, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, as I said, my name is Angus Duncan um, and I'm an infrastructure and environmental planner. So uh, my role is twofold. So firstly, environmental wise, um, I try and ensure that um, big housing developments and commercial schemes have uh, environmental mitigation, ensure that they're not adversely impacting on a wide variety of uh, environmental aspects. Um, infrastructure wise, um, I'm working in designing and inventing a lot of imp uh, renewable infrastructure across the country um, and ensuring that our energy demand um, or meets future demand. Um, so that's that's all for me. Super. Thank you, Angus. That's it. Introduction's over. Let's get down to business. And let's remember the, the big topic uh, we're grappling with here is rethinking the 21st century community and trying to pick around the edges of that. What does it actually mean? How are we going to do it? How do we need to, to think differently in order to achieve that? And the first question I want to put to the group, and it's a question that really recognises your position as graduates just coming into the industry and the fact that you haven't been buttered or become cynical about the industry you're, you're you're fresh into it so i'd like to ask you about where you might be seeing things that you think you could change for the better where there might be opportunities to to do things differently you know based on what you've seen uh today and ed i'm going to come to you first i know that you're involved in logistics and industrials as you've talked about and i know you're talking to us from cambridge which um is a particularly dry part of the world so i think you you've looked at water haven't you as a possible area to try and you know freshen up the thinking do you want to tell us a bit more about that yeah so I think this sort of summer has really demonstrated that water is not not always readily available we've had the dry summer on record um, in many ways and I think this has put a massive emphasis on water as a commodity um, and 
currently people probably look at the commodities, things like oil, but actually um, the UN predict massive water shortages in the future. Um, and I think in industrial scheme particularly, they've got massive roofs and there's a lot of things that developers could be doing to enhance this and capture it. Um, so it can be reused across the scheme. Um, obviously, roofs have got things like PVs um, and natural lighting, but using sort of grey water harvesting, it can be brought down to sort of ground level, used in um, biodiversity net gain enhancements um, and even used for the servicing of the actual building. So I think there's a lot of opportunities there that developers can be using to enhance this water and really use it as an asset. Um, and it all sort of comes down to uh, changing people's behaviours, really. Yep, I would agree with that. I work in industrials too, and I think the industry's moved on at, at good pace, but there's equally a, a long way to go. And as we face these drier summers, and as you say, uh, droughts in Cambridge and across across the UK, we really do, I think, as a, as a sector, need to, to, to put a greater value on water as a resource. Now, thinking about resources, Angus, I know that you're involved in solar. Uh, do you want to just tell us a little bit about some of the thinking you've been doing around perhaps fresh opportunities with, with solar and across renewables? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I suppose rethinking a 21st century, you know, it's 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 huge changes that we're going to uh, unfortunately have to, or I suppose fortunately have to, have to change. Um, and we don't need to look too much further than unfortunately the the, the impending crisis that, that we'll, we'll face this winter. Um, rising cost of living, energy crisis, um, all fueled by kind of unfortunately uh, a kind of wide range of, of, of factors. Um, and it's something that I've been trying to or will try and, and work on for the next kind of uh, this part of my career. So, you know, I've been involved with solar farms, which it's, it's an interesting one that you pointed to kind of the slight naivety that we've had as graduates. Um, it's a seemingly you know, incredible resource, you know, harnessing solar for for for, for the good and um, ensuring that we have energy in the future. We met with a lot of um, opposition. You have opposition from um, a lot of, you know, local residents, um, opposition from um, and, and kind of through nimbyism, but um, certain that we, I, I suppose, being sat naive and thinking that um, you wouldn't have that much of an impact. So it's all about balance, isn't it, in, in the in the planning sector? It is, um, and uh, it, it's it's been an interesting one. You got to weigh up that, uh, some challenges, don't you? Yeah, I think there's some big questions being asked about consenting of renewable projects because I think everyone has become more aware of the the importance of uh, energy security and, and doing things differently. But at the same time. Some of those facilities are quite large, you know, and, and, and people have strong opinions across planning, don't they? We might come back to some of that. Sarah, you're involved, I know, in residential schemes, some of the more mm -hmm. traditional community design, placemaking. Um, what kind of insights have you got for us in terms of your fresh perspectives, maybe opportunities, ideas for doing things differently? Uh, I think on a really broad scale, our culture is the biggest thing that holds us back within the UK. I think we've got such a desire to have the detached home with the private garden, with the two cars. And that's the goal that so many people have. But it doesn't necessarily need to be that way to have a great, sustainable life. Sure. So I think just changing that perspective of what we want and what we need is yeah. the biggest difficulty uh, that we're going to face or that I'm going to face as a designer. Well, I'm very impressed that you're all going in for the big questions. No one's, no one's duck, duck, ducking the issues here. We've got plenty of ambition from young professionals uh, on the pod, which is great. Um, 
So, Sarah, just coming to you with the next question, just thinking about um, maybe a different angle into that. We've, we've heard some of your aspirations for change, but with any opportunity for change, there's the need to overcome an existing way of doing things, break through barriers, maybe, you know, get through some of those uh, those hindrances. What, mm-hmm. what what sort of maybe have you identified that's stopping some of this this opportunity, this change from, from happening? I think what's stopping this change is fundamentally down to money. Unfortunately, good design costs money and not many people are willing to see the value in that. But I think a way to combat that is to think about legacy. What kind of legacy do we actually want to leave here? What kind of place do we actually want to live in? Um, But yeah, money, always money is the biggest factor. (laughs) Yeah, it's very true, isn't it? There's got to be a driver, and often it's uh, often it's going to be money or regulation, isn't it? Or, or, or you know, those are the two things that people would immediately say. What about yeah. Ed, you, so Angus? Come in. Please. Yeah, I, I suppose just building on Sarah's point, it's something I've seen unfortunately, and you're absolutely right, Sarah. It's it's all about money. It's something that's been unfortunately to the detriment of a few of the residential housing schemes involved with. Something I'm quite passionate about. I'm quite to see more of would be affordable housing and and housing mm-hmm. for everyone. And it's something that I've I've seen a few times in, in schemes that you get to through the consultation period and you get through periods of planning that unfortunately affordable housing is one of the first to go and replace with more um lucrative I suppose you know housing mixes um and uh you know overcoming that you know it's an entirely complex question and ones which developers are often bound by isn't it you know you've you've got to get yeah, your return on investment don't you and and, and often it comes to affordable housing unfortunately in in, in that sector yeah, I think that's a fair point, Angus, and, you know, making sure that uh, visions aren't compromised, that planning principles aren't compromised is always something that uh, I think most developers would, would set out to achieve and local authorities would want to hold them to account and, and, and champion that too. But it, it's never a, a straight line or, in my experience, not the easiest journey, particularly with the more complicated schemes. Ed, what, what about your experience? Have you seen anything that frustrates you? You know, you're coming in thinking, oh, why don't they do it like this? Yeah, well, I think I can echo what Angus and Sarah said. Certainly, it all comes down to viability um, at the end of the day. But sort of putting that aside, I think there's a lot of education that we as, as young people in the sector can give to our clients um, and looking overseas, what's what's working well, not what's not working so well. And perhaps at the moment, we sort of focus on, on our local area and our, our own country, whereas things like we talk about the rising temperatures um, a lot, particularly after this summer and we can look to Europe. They're, they've got naturally hot, warmer temperatures and things like that. So they have a lot more natural shading than us with sort of using trees and vegetation, that type of thing, um, including shutters on their building, which over here it's probably not the norm. But there's no reason why we can't sort of bring in some of those ideas and look at incorporating things like shutters and keeping the heat on the outside rather than letting into our houses by shutting our curtains, because then it's it's already in there. So I think but yeah, there's a lot of education we can provide to our clients um, and that sort of thing to to look ahead and um, future proof our um, developments, which is what it all comes down to. Yeah, I think it's a well-made point. I think trying to get the best of international experience and bring that into the UK marketplace uh, yeah. is, is always a great opportunity. And sometimes that's easier said than done. Angus, did you want to come in? Yeah, it's 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 all about adaptability, isn't it? You know, it's a it's an ever changing market, the, the planning world and. Um, and you've got to respond to different drivers, don't you? And 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 one huge one is is COVID. COVID nineteen, you know, changed yep. the way that we live 
in every aspect and, and, has, and has had lasting lasting changes to how we work and how we live and what we enjoy um, and what we want from life, what we want for our jobs. Um, that's working from home. That's something that a huge amount of us will do and probably will do for a, a large part of our um, careers. And that things change massively back to back to five days working in the office, even office worker, you know, um, and that that's that changes massively towards how we build houses and, and where we're building sure. houses. Um, and uh, it, it's all about being adaptable and, and, and making sure that we we respond to to the changing climate. Yeah, I think I that think... adaptability no, points. Um, yeah, very important. One minute we're sort of looking at houses of how we can keep them cool in the summer. So it's sort of natural ventilation, the orientation. And then the next minute we're looking at how we can heat them for the for the lowest cost and um, having insulation obviously works both ways. But I think there's, yeah, like Ang said, you've just got to be able to build a house which can be cool in the summer and warm in the winter, but not not airtight. So it's sort of not a nice environment. So it's really is about getting a balance um, between all of these things so that we yeah we're we're braced for whatever comes forward in the climate change um situation yeah there's also points off the back of that about how we build our houses though so instead of your houses that are far out of cities and towns you've got you could build higher density you could build terraces which are all going to be much better for the environment because people will be closer proximity to the shops to the schools to your general amenities therefore reducing the amount of times spent in cars therefore encouraging walking and active travel like the actual high level master plan really heavily yeah. impacts that I think that's yeah. really interesting, Sarah. Where, where do you think the, the sort of balance of responsibility sits? Because some people might say that the local authority or the regulator needs to set the vision or to drive the, um, you know, the concepts around how places created in the particular local planning authority. And others might say they need the developer to innovate and to push and, and, and to challenge. Um, you know, in your experience so far, what, what, what would be your assessment of that? In my uh, limited experience, I would say that I think a lot of the pressure should come from local authority, but it should be down to the developer to prove that they are doing all they can. So, yes, we're going to have these out of town garden villages. We just are. But I also think we need to offset that by encouraging developers and proving the viability of other sites that can be developed, the ones with the constraints. The ones that were, aren't yep. easy, because with sites that have difficult constraints come great designs because you're not going to do everything in the bog standard way. You're going to have to innovate. You're going to have to think about things 10 times instead of two times. Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think well it's, all, it's all about it's all about regulation, isn't it? And, 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 and setting the limits to which you know, houses need to be built and, you know, maybe increase the standard. Um, on energy efficiency and sustainability and how we think about uh, building you know it's 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 you know really important that um, you know houses are built to uh, you know real high, you know high uh, efficiency for the, for the future and I think that that comes from government down that comes from um, local standards down local authorities um, and I think it's you know we shouldn't give developers the opportunity to um, certainly exploit what they can do I think it's all about regulation in terms of you know, housing and building regulations. Yeah, that's an interesting point, Angus. I'm going to 
move the conversation on because I just want to fire a couple of questions at you. Um, one we might come back to in a second of if you were to be the prime minister, what might you want to do to to freshen things up? Have a think about that one for a second. But the one perhaps closer to home I'm going to ask you is, you know, we started off talking about you guys having just got into this industry, this profession and and, and the fresh thinking that comes with that. Let's fast forward 20, 30 years and consider if you can see off in the distant future, you're approaching the end of your career and then you're starting to look back and think, OK, this industry has changed for the better. Maybe you've influenced or hopefully helped to shape that change. Um, you know what, what you'd like to see as definitely having uh, changed, having having moved on, being different, being being better. Um, Sarah, wh where would your reflections be? You know, what would you like to think? Yep. I'm so pleased that dot 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 changed. I think my main thing that I want to change is the general accessibility of our existing streets and cities. I think currently, as they stand, they are not accessible. We've got pavements on either side of the road that are often obstructed with lighting and electrical boxes and all kinds of jargon that people have to dodge. And it's not it's not okay to keep living in this way. I think we need to have some sort of change that revalues what is important within our streets. Yep. So I think the focus needs to be more on pedestrians and movability within these spaces because I don't want to have to be stuck in my home wherever it may be later on in my life because I can't walk 10 metres down the road because... It's such bad quality. And I know that there are so many people right now who cannot do that. I think yeah. the, the COVID-19 sort of 19 pandemic had a massive influence on that point, Sarah. I think it's made people realise that they they need to value where they live more and have the importance of local green space within walking distance. And I think it would have happened naturally over time, but it's probably really accelerated um, the emphasis and the need for it, really. So hopefully in the, in the future, it will become sort of the norm really to have this this enhanced green space close to our houses but there's also a lot of studies that say having sort of more green space near houses then increases the house prices and then we've sort of it creates another issue there for affordability so it's about uh, yeah getting getting that balance really so that um they, they are affordable places to live as well as nice places to live yeah i think there's also needs to be a shift on quality over quantity of these open spaces you can have a really small open space that has great seating, great lighting, whereas you can have a massive open space that is just not used and you'll have five times more people in this small space just because it's right next to their doorstep and it's safe to be in when it gets a little bit dark. So you're yeah. encouraging general social interactions outside, which is what we all had to do in the cold and in the rain for the past two years. Yeah, yeah, good shout, Sarah. And, and picking up on your cold and rain, Angus, I know you're interested in energy. I think you've got some reflections on where you want the energy market to be or energy supply to be. Go and share those with us. Yeah, I, you know, I suppose I'd like to think by the end of my career, I'd like to think if I to look back and think what would I've liked to have achieved or, 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 or had a partial influence in, in what was going on, you know, I'd say large inroads into the gas dominance of the housing market. Um, a replacement with with large amounts of renewable heat options can have uh, a fully integrated electric heating system created by solar and wind and nuclear um, and, and a whole variety of different of different options. Um, 
you know, that will hopefully try and respond to the challenges that we're, we're facing today, um, as well as adapting our. So I think it's a really important thing we haven't touched on is adapting our current housing stock. You know, we've got yep. millions, maybe not quite enough, but we still have millions of, you know, houses that are, um, you know, that it's obviously cheaper to um, to work with what we've currently got rather than that than to, you know, knocking down and, and building again. So um, fully integrated housing with kind of uh, air source heat pumps and solar panels and incorporating passive design measures into uh, into houses and, and retrofitting houses it would be a great opportunity and i just think um in 20 30 years time some of these will be achieved and uh, and we're making inroads into that into that idea I, I totally agree and i remember a quote is it a famous quote i don't know but you know the greenest energy you'll ever use is the energy you don't use absolutely uh, yeah. and i think i think that speaks exactly to your point of, of making sure that all of our stock whether it's new build or retrofit is is really energy efficient and and we're being really sensible about what we do need to consume and and and, and treating energy as a very precious resource Ed, were there any points you wanted to make uh, on that you were chipping in a moment ago but when you're getting your slippers and armchair uh, ready for your retirement, what do you want to look back on? Yeah, just going back to sort of the energy point and the, what Angus was saying, I think the, the Ukraine and Russia crisis is going to really influence how we think and um, sort of make us realise the reliance we have on the, this worldwide energy um, source, particularly the Russian oil and things like that. Um, so we're going to need to bring it more in-house. So we've got our own supplies for the future and um, realise that it's not always not always in our hands, really. Um, and then going back to sort of the wastage and energy being sort of such a valued commodity, I think the technology is changing so rapidly. If we 10 years ago, we wouldn't have thought we would be in a position we are now. And I think in 10, 20, 30 years time, we'll be in a, a very different position, particularly battery storage. I think that's that's a massive and very growing sector and enhancing what we what we make and making sure it doesn't go to waste and that we can use it um, at peak times, really collect, enhance the wind, the, the sun and then use it in the evenings and other times of day, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's all about a fully integrated system, isn't it? And and, and just by nature, renewables, you think of solar, you think of wind, they are you know, intermittent resources, aren't they? You know, the wind's not always blowing, the sun's not always shining, but, you know, at seven o'clock when EastEnders is on, everyone's flicking on the kettle, aren't they? So, you know, there's 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 peak times um, that you've got to respond to. And I think battery storage is is one element of of, of being able to, store energy and release it at peak times uh, as well as storing it when you know um when, when no one's particularly using energy yeah we need resilience angus for sure we need a mix uh, and we need to get it right um i'm just wondering whether anyone's going to take me up on my political challenge i Liz trust has been pm for five minutes i do appreciate that um and you guys are all young and maybe not really considered yourself as a future prime minister yet. Uh, but does anyone want to take on the challenge of were I to have the keys to number 10, what I would really want to do with policy to make it better, simpler, more straightforward to make some of these changes happen? Is, is anyone brave enough to take that one? Ed, you look like you might be up for it. Yeah, I think I think people, we need to realise there's not one solution fits all. Um, we can't can't provide everything in one go. So it needs to be up to a sort of a local level approach really so we you can developers can do what they feels right and what the what the local community wants we can't say every roof needs to be covered in pvs or every building needs to have this much insulation or that type of thing or or electric vehicles but i think it's ha- having a balance and finding finding a level um which which works a local area really yeah no good point i guess yeah yeah no it's 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 a it's an incredibly complex question is it but 
I think it's been slightly reported that our, our current prime minister had some slightly disparaging comments towards solar farms and and renewable infrastructure in the past and and, and maybe sort of a, a pro fossil fuel approach, which which is it sounds on the front of it quite a quite a backward step, doesn't it? So you know it's going to be an interesting one to see where we go with that. Um, yeah, I, I think agree. this winter is going to be a, an incredibly difficult one for so many people, including not just residents but business owners. It, it, it's one where you'd like to hope intervention will happen from from the very top. Um, and I think we'll just have to see where that where that goes. Um, yeah. I think that's right, Angus. It's early days, isn't it? But I know that there was uh, relatively, what would you call it, an industry intake of breath when Mr. Rees-Mogg took over the energy beat at base. Um, but no, let's give everyone a chance. Let's see what he comes up with. And I, for one, am a glass half full person. Sarah, anything that you wanted to put into the mix of what you would put on uh, the PM's desk in her intray? Yeah, I'm definitely a glass half empty kind of person. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am totally cynical about the current government, I'm afraid. I think we need some real fundamental changes in order for any of this conversation to actually happen. Hey, look, I'm prepared to go there. Look, we started with a big question and we were talking about bold and fundamental kind of challenges, ripping things up and thinking again, and that can apply to politics as much as it can apply to placemaking. And we all know the two things are linked up. So anyway, um, I think I'm probably going to try and pull the conversation to a, a bit of a conclusion. We've covered, um, I think, some really interesting perspectives around what you guys are seeing, you know, as new entrants into the profession. We've touched on energy, not surprisingly, really hot topic just now, but we've also touched on adaptability. I think that's really important. And, and as young people talking about adaptability i think you've got an excellent perspective uh, on that so i think i'm going to bring it to an end i'm going to thank you angus ed sarah very much for your contributions it's great having you on the pod we look forward to the next episode um, but for now thank you very much for listening this is bottom one more uncut i'm ben copythorne and we'll see you on the pod again soon thank you very much